Don't pick up that phone. Ignore your boss and stay listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Buongiorno. I am Flaudio. And I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening. An evening for two lovers. Lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects. I turn up the soundscape, and the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by the Amigos. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Tasha, I could really use your help. It stays strictly professional. And after this, I go back to my self-imposed Harry Strange exile. Absolutely. What's the plan? Well, I need dictionaries. Eight of them. Magic and magical people. The unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. Tasha looked confused, but agreed to get some of the tools we would need. I took a ride to the Night Falls Police Corrections Center. It was really the county lockup, but I guess the powers that be decided Corrections Center sounded better than county jail. One thing guys in my business will tell you is that the more contacts you make in the police department, the easier your life will be. One of my contacts, a former girlfriend, was in charge of the visitors section of the Corrections Center. She knew a good deal about me and the type of monsters I usually dealt with, and set up a special room for me to conduct interviews away from the cameras and guards. She was understandably reluctant when I asked to have a certain prisoner escorted there. Is he an unnatural? I already told you, no. But he is key to keeping a little boy alive. 
I don't know. I promise, no visible marks. Forget it. I'm kidding. I won't lay a hand on him. I need to talk to him. A child's life is at stake. That's the only reason I am still considering it. I don't know how comfortable I am letting you talk to the man who allegedly shot you. Two things, Cindy. First off, I'm giving you my word. I won't hurt a hair on his evil little head. Second thing, there's nothing alleged about it. He shot me twice. I smiled and tried to give her my best aw shucks grin. He was such a bad shot that here I am, a few days later, feeling as strong as ever. What do you say? In the corner of the room, a TV was showing something about a train wreck in Eastern Europe. 120 killed. At least that's what the crawl along the bottom of the screen said. The sound was turned down. Dr. Ron was surprised to see me. You? We need to talk, Ron, and by that, I mean you need to answer my questions. I don't have anything to say to you. That's where you're wrong. You have a lot to say to me. Like why you pumped two slugs into me. How could you possibly have survived that? It was point-blank range. I'm magic. But I'm willing to put aside you shooting me for now. I need to know how to save a little boy. Where's Samara? Guard. The guards are changing shifts. You're shackled to a table and I'm here to have a discussion. Now, Doctor, we can do this the easy way or the fun way. Which will it be? You're not going to hurt me. You'll end up in a cell right next to me. Maybe. Think about this, Doc. What do you suppose the odds are of me having a friend down there in that holding cell with you? Someone who might be willing to do a favor for, I don't know, a carton of cigarettes or a Viagra tablet? What might happen to someone alone in a prison? Someone who doesn't have any friends? You don't scare me, Strange. She will protect me. Yeah, like the way she protected you from those construction workers? From the looks of things, she's got your back the way a politician has integrity. I could climb across this table and snap your neck like a chicken bone. How's she gonna stop me? <laughs> you won't do that, Strange. That tough guy act doesn't play with me. You're insignificant. When the Mara are free, my mistress will be queen. And she will see you suffer for your heresy and disobedience. Hold it. The Mara are going to be free? On Earth? Of course on Earth, you idiot. Everything is in place. On each of the continents, a sister is ready to cross over from the dream world to our world. Three sacrifices of virgin boys spawned from unwed mothers. You can't stop it, Strange. So you go ahead and have me beat down in a cell. By this time next week, the Mara will be free, and the world will be in darkness. Are you trying to cop an insanity plea? Nightmares are going to become real? That doesn't make sense. Samara has promised the Seven Sisters will become as one. They will enter the world separate, but will rule as one. Samara will be the chief lawgiver <laughs> for the survivors. The survivors? It has already begun. As the Mara get closer to tangible reality, the darkness begins. Look around you, Strange. Haven't you noticed an increase in unnatural behavior? Have you seen the spikes in crime statistics? 
or accidents. You think they are just random occurrences? The atrocities continue to grow more and more frequent as the Mara get closer. Screw demons and religion. It's the dreams you need to watch out for. And it is just going to get worse. The Mara will kill a seventh of the population just to establish control. But they won't just kill them. They will torment them with their nightmares. Except the nightmares will be here in the physical world. Imagine spiders the size of Volkswagens. People falling out of their beds and dying. The monster under the bed coming real. Everyone will be affected. The laborer to the President of the United States. <laughs> I wonder how his nightmares will manifest themselves. And you know what, Mr. Strange? There isn't anything you can do about it. My hands tightened into fists. I could wipe that smirk off his face. Hell, I could wipe his face off his face. Go ahead, Strange. Take a swing at me. Beat me to death if you want. I will gladly murder myself for the Seven Sisters. I don't know if your little fairy tale is true or not, but I promise you this. If that little boy dies because you won't tell me what I need to know, I'll martyr you like the Romans martyred St. Vincent. Do you know how they killed Vinny, Ronnie? It doesn't matter. First, they tied him in the sun and flogged him with a whip. Because the whip wasn't intense enough, they had camel bones tied into the end to rip into his skin. Then they took a mallet and broke every bone in his body. After that, they crucified him upside down and left him there until he suffocated. Let me tell you something, Ronnie. Those Romans didn't have half of my imagination. Now, one question. Think carefully. Where is Samara? The game was ready to start. We were in Justin's bedroom. Tasha found most everything I needed and improvised on a couple of others. Together we set up the room. Very little needed to be said. Tasha and I were in simpatico. What we were trying had not been done before, but I was convinced this would give us the best chance of succeeding. Around the perimeter of Justin's bed I made an unbroken circle of salt. Believe it or not, salt was one of the main tools in my arsenal against the unnatural. Well, that in my brain. The holy water cocktail was also quite useful, but since the Maras weren't technically demons, I didn't think it would be effective. I don't mind saying that despite everything I had seen, vampires, werewolves, demons, ghosts, and unnaturals, the Mara scared me cold. Their realm was dreams, and fighting them on their ground was impossible. Justin went to bed around 9, but I was certain it was 11 before he dozed. Hell, would you have been able to sleep with a room full of people waiting for you to doze off so some evil spirit who looked like a cross between a wicked witch and a long-toothed vampire could come visit you in your dreams? If I were his age, I might decide to never sleep again. Trudy was standing by the door to the bedroom. Next to her was my little pixie with the rest of the supplies I had asked for, as well as a few of her own choosing. She looked relaxed, but I knew she was ready for anything. Trudy, on the other hand, was pacing the short distance from door jam to door jam and picking at her fingernails. How that woman had any fingernails left was... At the foot of the bed, the space between it and the closet began to tear. 
Briefly, I was able to glimpse what was on the other side, and it was too disturbing to recount here. In a moment, the old lady stuck her arm through, forced the tear open wider, and then forced her shoulder and head through. She looked around the room and saw Tasha and Trudy at the door. The hag raised an eyebrow, or whatever that crawling thing was over her eyes, and then pulled herself the rest of the way into the room. The tear closed behind her. The hag moved silently to the bed. For as big as she was, she had a light, almost silent step. Her fangs were long, descending below her bottom lip. The skin on the hag's face was cracked and veiny, and she smelled like prison sewage. The hag stopped by the top of the bed and looked around as if she were expecting someone. When nothing happened, she sat down, the springs groaning under her weight. Slowly she leaned in, savoring the moment of the kill. I pushed the covers off and plunged my dagger of Yago into her shoulder. Surprise! Ah! What? How is this possible? You're gonna love this. I had a feeling you had to see your victim before you could suck their life away. You have to get a visual on them once you're in the room. I just had to get you close to Justin. Nice try, Strange. You can't hold me! Actually, Hag, I can. The Dagger of Yago neutralizes most of your magic. You're trapped in solid form. Lights, please! Oh my god, what is that? Trudy had never seen Amara before, and the sight of this one had caused Trudy to faint. Luckily, Tasha caught her before she hit the floor and broke the circle of salt. The Hag took this opportunity to make her move. We go, Strange! The hag pulled me up and started running toward the window. She only made it a few steps before... <laughs> Circle of salt, hag. Your magic is neutralized and you can't leave this room. It's time to talk. I don't remember the last time I felt pain. Your descendants will be cursed for this affront! I am! I know, I know. You're one of the seven sisters we should all worship. You have the power, blah, blah, blah. Don't you ever get tired of hearing yourself? This little trap of yours is quite clever! Though I wonder how much the little girl had to do with this. You leave Tasha out of this. This little party is between you and I. Everyone in this room is marked and will each die horribly in their sleep. You're done, toots. Your magic is useless. You can't leave. I can skip back and forth over the salt circle all day long. Look at me go. You, you ugly hag, are here forever. Your arrogance will be your undoing, Strange. I am curious, though. You mortals have strange customs. But in a thousand, thousand years, I've never seen a bed supported by books before. What wizardry is under here? She pushed me against the wall and I tumbled to the edge of the circle. I jumped over the salt at the last second. The hag picked up the bed and threw it at me. I ducked and the bed tumbled against the wall. 
I jumped back in the circle as the hag ran up against the second, smaller circle of salt. Inside the smaller circle, previously hidden by the bed, was Justin, tucked into his sleeping bag. The hag reached out to touch him, but her hand couldn't cross over the barrier. This time, she screamed so loud that the window shattered and some of the light bulbs exploded. Trudy, who had been coming around, screamed. Don't scream yet, dearie. We will have an eternity to scream together. Hello, Justin. Scared to see me? Listen, hag, I want to make a deal with you. Leave this family alone. Never bother this boy or his family and I'll allow you to live. I'll let you get back to your sisters. True, you and your sisters will not be crossing over into this world, but you will be able to go about doing your nightmare thing. That's your deal? You'll let me leave? You ask for so much, yet offer so little. Yeah, I hear that a lot. We were circling each other. The hag was clearly uncomfortable in her solid state. Because she wasn't used to her physical form, her next move was well telegraphed. Ray Charles could have dodged it. She lunged at me and I easily stepped out of her path. I will kill you, Strange! I will kill all of you! Your greatest fears will be waiting for you every time you close your eyes! You, boy, you will see your mother die every night. You'll see her burn, then see her torn apart by a pack of wild dogs. No, you won't. Relax, Justin, she can't hurt you. Oh, but my sisters can hurt you in ways you cannot imagine. They'll melt your mother's legs together. I will summon them, and even Harry Strange couldn't hold off all seven of us. Your sisters are bound to their current realms by the same rules that keep you from crossing the salt barrier. You're alone. What's one little boy to you, Strange? He's not very bright, and he's very scrawny. Probably going to be sickly. He couldn't even keep his father. Shut up! Justin, don't listen to her. Of course, maybe it wasn't you, boy, who made your father run off. Maybe it was your mother. She couldn't protect you. Look at her. She's not doing anything to save you now. She's standing there hoping that Strange can make all this right for her. Always counting on a man to solve your problems, huh, Trudy? She doesn't care about you, Justin. Do you want to know a secret? You, shut up! Justin stepped out of his sleeping bag and then pulled out a Louisville Slugger baseball bat. Justin, whatever you're thinking about doing, don't do it. The hag is a liar. The Mara continued as if I hadn't said anything at all. Trudy didn't want you. She thought about killing you in her womb if it meant she could keep her man. That's not true. Your mother wanted to kill you while you slept inside her. 
She also had sex with a man who didn't love her. She had sex with a lot of men who didn't love her. What's the word for a woman like that? Don't say it. She's a whore, Justin. That's what people call your mother. A cheap whore who would kill her child if she thought it would make her more attractive to men. I tried to grab Justin, but he was already swinging the bat. He stepped forward, breaking the salt. For a scrawny kid, there was a lot of power behind his swing. He connected full on with the hag's stomach. If the hag had been human, she would have gone down, but she was Amara. Instead, the bat splintered, the top half of it spinning end over end directly at Trudy. Trudy's eyes were wide and focused on the bat, but she wasn't moving. Tasha pushed Trudy out of the way, and I heard the thud of the thickest part of the bat hitting Tasha in the side of the head. There was a cracking sound, and the blood flowed freely from her as she went down, her eyes blank. Justin overextended with his swing, and the hag grabbed him and spun him around to face me. Her clawed fingers circled the top of his head, their fingertips cutting into his skull. I drew my sword from the hilt in the back of my jacket and held it to the hag's throat. Let him go! No! Let me go! I take the boy and you, but I'll let his whore mother live. If the pixie pulls through, she can live too. That's my deal. The hag squeezed tighter. Blood was starting to flow freely where the claws gripped into his skin. You have failed. The dagger of Yago can only be removed by me, and that's not happening. Let him go, and I'll let you go. Then I kill the boy first! Ah! No! I've given you every chance to make the right decision. Time's up, hag. Absorba la strega! It didn't work, Strange! The boy is mine! I don't think so, hag. Justin, look at me. Do it just like we talked about. Justin reached up and took some of his blood running from his wound and wiped it on the sword. Blood of a virgin, hag. Don't leave home without it. The sword glowed blue, then orange. The hag released Justin, who fell on the floor, holding his head. The orange glow turned red, and the hag's throat started to extend from her body to the tip of my sword. As her skin touched the sword, it disappeared into the blade. The rest of her body started to pull towards the tip, as if someone were pinching from the front of her skin and pulling it onto the sword. As more of her was absorbed into the sword, she started to fight against it. The combination of the sword, spell, and virgin blood was too great. She wailed like a soul in hell as she was sucked into the sword. The Dreamcatcher sword started to feel like a snake, and it took all my strength to keep it straight. For a second, I saw her face push against the sword, her mouth open in a frozen scream. Instantly, the face was gone and the sword was still. Trudy ran and hugged Justin. I put the sword back in its sheath and picked up my dagger of Yago off the floor. I ran out of the circle to check on Tasha. I knelt beside Tasha, cradling her head. The amount of blood was overwhelming. Her eyes fluttered open for a moment and she seemed to focus on me. Did you get her? We did. She's imprisoned in the sword. I looked over to the sword and saw Justin reaching out to touch it. No! Leave it alone! He pulled his hand back as if it had been burned. The dreamcatcher design in the hilt of the sword slowly pulsated an alternating blue and gold, like a heartbeat. Slowly, almost imperceptible, the pulsating began to slow. 
the morrow was losing the fight against the magic steel. The bedroom was destroyed and I wondered how Trudy would explain the damage to the insurance company. She was silently sobbing while holding tight to Justin. I looked back at Tasha, whose eyes were closed. I was sitting in the vinyl-covered chair next to Tasha's hospital bed. An IV drip hung over her, and a rack of medical monitors stood next to the IV rack. As far as I could tell, all systems were five by five. Behind my chair and under my trench coat was the Dreamcatcher sword. The pulsating blue and gold around the hilt had just about ended. In another week, it would be gone forever. Strange. Strange. Are you listening to me? Yes, Lieutenant West. Sorry. You were saying? I said that we found Dr. Ron in his cell this morning. He had chewed open the veins on his wrist. Let me guess. His last visitor was a striking black woman who the camera didn't get a good picture of, even though the camera worked fine all day. How did you know that? Lucky guess. My ass is a lucky guess. What would cause a man to chew open his own wrists? Bad dreams. Bad dreams? Seriously, that's your theory? I'm sorry, Lieutenant West. I'm very distracted at the moment. I nodded towards Tasha. Okay. Be at my office tomorrow morning for a complete statement. Bad dreams. Only bad dream I have around here is you. Lieutenant West left. I picked up Tasha's hand. It was warm, but there wasn't a grip. I pushed a piece of hair away from her face. She stirred and then opened her eyes. Hey, how long? You've been here about a week. There was a little swelling around your brain, but that seems to have gone down. Doc says you'll be out of here in a few days. Trudy, Justin. Everyone's fine. So good, in fact, that I have tickets for two to Fiji Island next week. Fiji? Well, one of the uninhabited islands. There's an inactive volcano whose lava contains properties that will absorb the Dreamcatcher sword and anything trapped within. All I have to do is drop the sword in. I was thinking that after that, you and I could hang out on Turtle Island. All romance, no magic. Well, not the creepy, kill-you-in-your-sleep kind of magic, anyway. The water there is as blue as your eyes and beaches as soft as your skin. Two tickets to paradise, Tosh. Just you and me. Oh, Harry, that sounds wonderful. You really are smitten with me, aren't you? I'd catapult over a wall and kill a thousand demons for you. I'm not looking for anything so drastic. Harry, I love you. And as much as I'd love to follow you to Fiji or anywhere else, your life is not a life I can handle or want to handle. My path is very different from yours. The Harry Strange path inevitably leads to destruction, decay, and death. My path, my sisterhood, is seeking to elevate above that. You cavort with the demons. We seek to live at the next level. But? No, listen. If you speak, this will be harder, and eventually we will both regret it. You are an honorable man, and you're the type of man who, if he promises something, will do everything in his power to keep that promise. I don't think I like... Shh, you're speaking again. I need you to promise me, on your love for me, that you will never try to contact me. When I leave here, I am going to sisterhood and cloistering myself to silence and isolation for the next year. I need to know you won't show up and try to change that. Tasha, can't we discuss this? 
another is coming for you, one who will need you. And let's not forget, you're already a champion for another, a lifelong pledge, I believe. In the end, I did go to Fiji, alone, and I did promise Tasha I wouldn't seek her out. Circumstances, however, often have a way of making some promises impossible to keep. Tonight's episode, Harry Strange 106, The Mara, was written and directed by Tony Serechia and produced by Brianne Ahern. All material is copyright by Tony Serechia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Kellen Stennett, Brie Ahern, Casey Morgan, Alvin Macon, Tish Sistrunk Parmalee, Clay Duggar, Kimberly Poole, Parissa Johnston, and Parker Weirling. Harry's theme music was written and performed by Lance Hogan and is copyright by Lance Hogan and used with his permission. Contact Lance at his email, h-a-u-g-a-n-l at yahoo.com. Incidental music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and is copyright by Kevin McLeod and used with his permission. Visit Incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. Visit HarryStrange.com to keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator. Send your questions, comments, and suggestions to producer at HarryStrange.com. For the Harry Strange Radio Drama, I'm Joanne Pruden. Good night. <laughs>